Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 67 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burl, coming at you live from Belleville, Ontario. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host from the beautiful Bloomfield, Ontario, Riley McConnell. Riley, what's up? How are you? I am well, Jesse. I am well. World Series going on, as we know. Mm -hmm. Won't get into that too much. That's on the less important things, Jesse, for what we talk about here. Here, it's all things blue, all things Toronto Blue Jays. Anything you guys need, we got you covered. Even in the offseason, we'll be coming at you weekly with videos. If a trade comes up, we'll be covering that. Any big news in the offseason, we got you guys covered. So sit tight and stay with us. You nailed it, man. Today on the show, Riley, it's going to be a fun one. We're kind of done with our recap of what happened to the Blue Jays this year, and we are now turning our attention to the 2022 offseason. We're going to come up with some guys who we think the Jays should sign, who we should trade for, should we make a dramatic change with our current core, and all that fun stuff coming up. But first, remember, our show is free and available on all platforms, so whether you're one of the many who listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Samsung Music, Stitcher, or YouTube, please, Make sure you leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode. And hey, like the video, guys. It's one of the best ways we can get YouTube algorithms going and we can really get this show booming. But other than that, Riley, ready to get into it? I'm ready to rock, Jesse. Let's see what we can come up with for episode 67 here right. at Buds and Blue Jays. Let's go. Well, before we get into the offseason, Riley, last, last week on our episode, we handed out some awards to our Toronto Blue Jays. And one of our famous Toronto Blue Jays actually got a real award this year. And if you haven't seen it yet, our first baseman, our guy, our adult son, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won his first gold glove award. Well-deserved for Vladdy. I'm glad he got it. We saw him play defense all year. I don't think it was a surprise to see him win this award. And congrats to him. I mean, Jesse, I'm an eyeball test guy. I like to see what happens 162 games on the field, but the numbers don't lie, man. I mean, he has the defensive metrics, the defensive stats to back up his season. But man, when you watch the games, the athleticism that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has, I mean, he really showcased it, man. I mean, he was this very overweight type third base guy yeah. a few years back. He really, really worked on himself, and he's developed into one of the more agile and athletic first basemen, not even just in the American League and all of the MLB. And it's it was a no-brainer, man. A well-deserved award for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with the gold glove on first. Like, he came a long way from being this absolutely terrible third baseman. I think his rookie year, 2019, Vlad, even he didn't even start the year with the team, was the worst third baseman defensively in, face, in baseball by far, to now being the best first baseman in the American League. That is awesome. And I remember him telling Charlie Montoya at the time when the move was announced that he was going to first base, he said he was going to be the best damn first baseman you have ever seen. And it took, what, two, three years for that to happen, and he's done it? Impressive stuff from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, again, I'm not surprised, man. He's just, uh, he definitely doesn't have the athletic, natural athletic shape, we'll say, but certainly a good work <laughs> ethic um, yep. and kind of set himself straight. So, yeah. Well-deserved, man. I think this is the first of, I won't say many, but this is certainly not going to be the first gold glove of Junior's career. I would almost put money on that. Before we talk about some of the other Blue Jays who didn't win Gold Gloves Award, I want to say Vladdy led all AL first baseman in defensive red saves. He also led the American League in scoops, Riley, which is one of the most important things a first baseman can do, is pick those balls out of the ground, especially when you have guys like Bo Bichette and his wild arm throwing you the ball. Uh, not only that, Vlad's arm strength, 86.2, which is always a great skill, just like his dad, uh, best for Major League first baseman. And the thing I noticed he really got better at this year is Vladdy always had trouble tracking that fly ball that went behind him, where he had to turn and run run into foul territory to catch a ball. Vladdy got so better at that this year. And I don't remember how many times we would see him run back, stick out his glove with his back to home plate and catch those balls. He did that a ton this year. And it was also the only, only guy who got Alec Manoa to say that was effing sick after making a play on the Blue Jays. So very well-deserved. Good stuff from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, but we should talk about another Blue Jay who didn't win a gold glove this year, and that's our third baseman, Matt Chapman Riley. I'll let you have the first word. He's your guy. Do you think he should have won the gold glove at third base this year? Well, looking at it, I mean... Um... Yeah, I think he got snubbed a little bit, and I'm gonna base this off. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what the general public might say about it, and it's uh, Urias, Urias. Yeah. Um. Yeah, playing a third base for uh, 80 games or 76 games somewhere 84, between. 84, I think, was the number. 80, 84. Yeah. 
So, I mean, <clears throat> you look at the sample size. I don't, I don't think 84 is a number that should qualify for a gold glove. I really don't. You look at what Jose Ramirez did for the Guardians. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he, I don't think he had the numbers that uh, Matt Chapman did. Certainly not the defensive run saved. He's definitely a steady third baseman, Jose Ramirez. But when it comes to just all out pure third base numbers like you look at throwing power the throwing accuracy the range that matt chapman has yeah it's certainly great now that's what a lot of let's you know a lot of people would say he got snubbed i personally you know think it was a down year for him i think the fact that he didn't win a gold glove and it was a down year for chapman technically like I mean, I'm not going to gripe on it too much. Now, if he was absolutely lights out and, and got snubbed that way, that would suck. But I would, yes. Listen, gold, I, I pretty much look at They pretty much drew names from a hat for this one, I feel like. Because there was, I mean, Chapman was probably the front runner. I'm not going to say he got snubbed too big. I wouldn't, I, I don't think this is going to affect him at all. He's going to go out next season and do exactly the same, if not better. And like, there's a really good chance, Jesse, that we have our corner infield is winning a gold glove next year too it would not surprise me i'm not going to call it now or anything like that but we have some good defensive corner infielders matt chapman is definitely going to lead the charge next year if he didn't already this year with help from vlad jr on first i think the main reason he didn't win the award here is because yeah he was still good still above average defender he wasn't elite like he had been in years past and i know we talked about it over one of our episodes while the season was still going on uh matt chapman just wasn't completing as many plays so there was a lot of like those weak infield grounders he'd get the ball he'd throw it to first but the runner would just beat it out a little and that some of the advanced metrics that's where that kind of went into to let his stuff go down but he was still really good still a rock and for what it's worth riley ross stripling had a quote that said you know he's open to all analytics and metrics in our game besides the ones that say matt chapman isn't the best third baseman in the american league and then he said those metrics can eat my shorts so ross stripling believes that matt chapman is still an amazing elite defender and should have won that award so he still got it i think he's going to be just fine moving forward I mean, moving forward, yeah, I like I can say the exact same thing that I said about Vlad Jr. This is probably not going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be like this is the last time he had a chance to win a gold glove. Anytime Matt Chapman steps on the field for um, a number of games, he has a chance to win award in the defensive numbers. And, you know, you look at him, he's won a platinum glove with yeah. um the Oakland Athletics, like, you know, he has the same, he has the same potential to do that with our Toronto Blue Jays. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens starting in 2023. All right. Well, that's all the awards the Blue Jays got handed out. Congrats to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's got a second place MVP. He's got a gold glove. There's going to be a lot more hardware in the trophy case for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going forward. But let's get into the meat of the episode here, Riley. The offseason's coming, and this is going to be a big offseason for the Toronto Blue Jays. But before we start naming names and what's going to happen here, we got to kind of set things up a little bit for the offseason. First, we got to talk money. And you know it's the offseason when we start talking salaries and playoff money. But as things stand right now, the Toronto Blue Jays have 10 players with guaranteed contracts for the 2023 season. So they are George Springer, Kevin Gosman, Hunjin Ryu, Jose Barrios, Matt Chapman, Yusei Kikuchi, Jimmy Garcia, Whit Merrifield, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Anthony Bass, who has a club option for $3 million, but I would think the Blue Jays do extend that uh, $3 million option on Bass. If they don't, it's a $1 million buyout. So unless one of these 10 guys is traded, all these guys will be on the team in 2023. You follow me so far? Yeah, man, we're good. Okay, the next one. The Jays have 13 players who are arbitration eligible. So these players are all under team control, but how much salary they're going to make is up in the air. So the Jays have to make a decision, come to an agreement with these players, or they run the risk going to arbitration closer to spring training. So here are the numbers, the 13 players, and the average salary that MLB Trade Rumors projects for these players. So the Jays have to make a choice. Do we sign these players for this one, or do we cut them? Ready for the names? Let's shoot them, man. Okay. Teoscar Hernandez at about $14.1 million. Back-to-back -back Silver Slugger Awards. I think we keep him for 14.1, especially on the last year of his contract, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rymel Tapia is set to make $5.2 million. Adam Simber, $3.2 million. Trevor Richards, $1.5 million. Bradley Zimmer, $1.3. Danny Jansen at $3.7. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. set to make $14.8 million. Tim Meza at $1.9. Kevin Biggio at $2.6. Trent Thornton at $1.1. Bo Bichette at 6.1, Jordan Romano at 4.4, and Santiago Espinal at 2.1. So I'd like to think the Toronto Blue Jays are going to come back with almost all of these players, but I've got three exceptions, Riley. I think the Blue Jays might choose to cut with um, instead of paying them the salary. Can you guess who they are? 
I'm going to say that you went with Zimmer for sure. Zimmer for sure. 1.3 million for that guy. I'm, not a chance. I'm trying to re- listen, Jesse. I, I know as well as you do how this is a kind of a sneaky time because we got to try and add different players to this lineup. I wouldn't expect everyone to be back either. And I'm going to guess another one is Espinal, Jesse. That's that's an iffy one. I don't know. See, for me, it would be Espinal, um, but who are your other two besides um, besides Zimmer? See, Espinal's interesting because he did really make an improvement this year, and I think the Blue Jays like his positional versatility, but we've talked about, you know, Whit Merrifield's under contract next year. Kevin Vigio's one of these guys. It, unless one of them is traded, I don't know if you're paying both of them the two-some million dollars uh, to get in there. But my other two, uh, Trent Thornton. I think we've had enough with Trent Thornton paying the guy $1.1 million who's only going to pitch in Buffalo. He's gone. Get that garbage out of here. And the other one, Riley, was Rymel Tapia to me, which was fine this year. He had stretches where he was really good, but $5.2 million for what is likely your backup outfielder for a guy whose range isn't that good, for a guy whose speed is kind of, it's just okay. You know, the guy who can't really hit worse shit. I kind of think the Blue Jays might let Rymel Tapia go instead of paying him $5.2 million. I'm totally on board with you as far as uh, Trent Thornton. I think that um, there's room for improvements on this ball club, and we're going to do it with a little more youth coming up. Um, and I totally agree with you on Z- on Zimmer. I mean, he was twice a Blue Jay and maybe never again, hopefully never again. I still hope he goes on and becomes a successful pinch runner wherever he goes. Um, the next one is a curious one, though. I mean, you have an outfielder. I got the, the point of having a plethora of second basemen, and I think it's either Biggio or Espinal. And for me, um, it might it might be Espinal, and it just goes uh, Witt's a, a righty bat, and Biggio's a righty bat, and Biggio has but more Biggio's time in lefty, the outfield. Yeah. Or sorry, yeah. So we got righty, lefty, and and Espinal's a righty, and he has less outfield time than uh, Kevin Biggio. A little more versatility with Biggio. So those would be my free three. We're not too far off, though, man. I agree with you, though. It's um, there. Everyone won't be back, and if it's those three guys, whether you it's me or the guys you called, I'm sure it won't be Thornton, and I'm sure it won't be Zimmer. Right. So, well, that'll be something to pay attention to once the offseason gets started and who the names are, because that'll really shape up who the Blue Jays need on their roster, who they're going to target, and maybe might affect the roster come 2023. Uh, other guys, Alejandro Kirk, Zach Pop, and Alec Manoa are all pre-arbitration, so their salaries are dirt cheap, and it's great to have Kirk and Manoa making so little salary and contributing to such a high level for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Yep, that's what you love, man. Service time is everything in MLB. It's like working a real person job. You put in your time, you make the dough. You're a you're a rookie, you're a sophomore. Nah, man, you get just a little over hundreds of thousands of dollars. But you wait for Alec Manoa's big payday when it's like probably what 2028 20, or whatever time. He's gonna make huge money, you know, in five five years time or whatever it will be. Yeah, he's an extension candidate too. So we'll probably talk about that as we get closer to spring. Maybe the Blue Jays decide to pay him money. But I think that'll all come down to what happens this offseason. So we'll touch on that as we get closer to the spring. Um, so to finish up our talk on money here, the Blue Jays got to pay all that. And plus, we're still playing for things like 40-man roster guys who are not in the big leagues. They get paid. Player benefits get paid. And the Blue Jays still owe a nice, crisp $4.33 million to Randall Gritchick. So that's on the roster. We'll have to pay him. So if you add all that together, the Blue Jays' salary is going to be about $210 million as it stands right now for the 2023 season. So the luxury tax, Riley, it's kind of fluid. There are tiers. And for each one you go over the punishments get stiffer. So we've seen teams go over the first, sometimes even second tier, but they really like to avoid that third and fourth tier because that's when you start losing draft picks and stuff like that. So the first tier is set at $233 million. The second tier is set at $253 million. I think that's the max the Blue Jays are going to want to go to increase their salary. But with that being said, we can add about another $23 million this year, maybe even $40 million for the right player if it really does make the Jays better. And that's all if we don't do extensions to Vlad, Bo, Kirk, and Manoa. So... A lot of stuff going on there. What I'm saying here is that the Blue Jays have room to add money, and they think they're going to do it this winter. I mean, inflation says, I mean, Jess, you're spitting out numbers that have mm-hmm. never been touched by a Blue Jays payroll. $240 million. I, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can safely say I don't think the Jays have ever had a payroll over like $220 million. For a $200, $200 million payrolls and is, it was kind of a, a Yankees thing in the, in the 2010s I, era, maybe a National League team, but, you know, it might be the new norm to have $200 million payroll. And if we have to pay a luxury tax to compete, you know what? That sucks. 
But hey, man, let's do it. We talked about our, our window, our time to win. And if that's the price we have to pay to field not only a competitive team, but a division winning team, then hey, man, like I'm in. Let's do it. Flags fly forever, baby. The rich are going to keep getting richer. Let's just get those banners up in Rogers Center because if we need one more player to take us over the edge, we should absolutely be paying that player and do whatever it takes to get them in here. So, Riley, with that being said, the team does have a few pieces that we are going to leave this roster via free agency right now. So right now, those three are Ross Stripling, Jackie Bradley Jr., David Phelps. Now, the big one here, obviously, is Ross Stripling, because you and I have talked a lot about how big of a contributor he was to this year. He was our number three starter, without a doubt. He was massive when Hunjin Ryu left the rotation. So two questions, Riley. One, should the Blue Jays offer him a qualifying offer? And if they do, we'll get him back. And he accepts. It'll be $19.65 on a one-year deal. And if we offer him the qualifying offer and he turns it down and signs with another team, the Blue Jays will get draft pick compensation. Or, Riley, do you think we should just flat-out sign him to a free agent extension or do we just not even do either? And do we just let him go? Lots of questions there, Riley. What do we do with Rostrup? Listen, I'm not a fortune teller of any sort. But Jesse, as pay, as much as it pains me to say, I don't think Ross Stripling is going to duplicate or replicate the year he had for us in any way um, mm. with us, with any ball club moving forward. And that sucks. He had such a great year. I'm a big Ross Stripling guy. I hope he, you know, if he stays with us, if he doesn't, I hope he goes on and plays some great baseball and at least, you know, survives in the league for four or five more years. But hey... I love the idea of qualifying him. I like the draft pick compensation. I think that's really important, especially with what's on the table for us in trade rumors would be, you know, some higher end prospects possibly down the road. I think that's important to, you know, maybe get something if Stripling does walk. But I think we just qualify him, man. I think if he accepts that, that's great. I think if if he goes and makes $27 million in Pittsburgh, I think if a season, <laughs> I think that's, that's incredible. Get the man paid. What I don't know how much he's, it won't be $27 million. And I doubt he goes to the pirates, but he might go be, he might go be a contender with a ball club and make, you know, 20, $20 million. I think that would be very impressive. I think I'm kind of with you. I, I also think Ross Stripling had his best year of his career, kind of like Steven Matz did down the stretch for the Blue Jays last year. Do you remember that? But Ross Stripling's better than what Steven Matz was putting together. And I think I'm with you. You offer him the qualifying offer. If he accepts, great. You put him right back in that rotation. It goes well. It's, the thing with Stripling this year is he really cut down his walks. He really cut down giving up home runs, which is great in theory if you can continue to do that. But a lot of that stuff is up in the air. I don't know. I get Marco Estrada vibes a lot from Ross Stripling. And when it fell apart from Marco Estrada, it really fell apart. So he might be able to put this together for another year, maybe two, but... Like I said, he's already 32 years old. You don't want to sign him to a big five-year deal that he might be able to get in what is a relatively weak starting pitching free agency market. So we'll see. Maybe the Blue Jays will be interested, but maybe at some point they just get priced out and then we just take the draft pick. I think I'm with you. Yeah, I think if the, if the price gets to, if we are in the sweepstakes for him, like it would be good to bail very early on something like that. I don't think, listen, I think it was a good guy to invest in this year in the 2022 season. Yep. I think yep. moving forward, it might not be in our best interest. I think sometimes you just have to part with, with certain guys to make things work. And I think that's kind of where we're at, Jess. We're going to, we're kind of on another, uh, another stage of um, on this. Well, well, I mean, it's not a rebuild that we're in, but we're in a, we're in a competitive spot and um, yeah. we're trying I think to win. We now. might be, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we might be better off without stripling as much as it pains me to say we can replace him in other ways okay well what about the other two guys david phelps jackie bradley jr any chance those guys come back or are we just letting them go i think i think that uh, i think that they're both that's both gone i mean it's a matter of age right i think you you can find other ways to replace uh players i think that's it's baseball that are you know that their days are behind them one's a relief pitcher one's a uh, backup outfielder at best so you kind of gotta you know we can you can find guys you know maybe we get a better compensate get a guy with maybe less of a glove and get a switch hitter uh with more pop than jackie bradley jr maybe look yeah. for a different kind of finesse arm in the bullpen I, there's lots of different ways man i'm sure we'll we're definitely going to sign some free agents 
this offseason. There's no question about it as to which level those free agents are, whether they're cusp, you know, between AAA and MLB. That's one thing, whether we sign a superstar. We can find ways to replace guys like Jackie Bradley Jr., though, for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's, I think they're both gone, too. David Phelps, was, he was good this year, don't get me wrong, but he outperformed a lot of his peripherals, and he was always the sixth or seventh man in the bullpen anyway. An important role. But a guy I think the Blue Jays are going to try to fill with somebody else here. And Jackie Bradley Jr., I think you nailed it right on the coffin, man. There are a lot of guys who can play good defense, who can hit okay, who can run okay. Like, they'll be able to find another guy here in free agency. And, hell, we might even name one or two of them coming up. Uh, so with that being said, Riley, let's turn our attention now towards the free agency, <laughs> towards all that. What are the team needs? What are the areas you really think this team needs to improve on going into the offseason here? Um, bullpen, Jesse. I yeah. mean, we got it. We've, we've, you know, ran this up and down for episodes on episodes, man. Um, it's haunted us since I remember going to games when it was BJ Ryan and Kevin Gregg <laughs> blowing games for us way back, man. Brian Tallett haunts me forever. I mean, he might he might haunt you because he's seven feet tall and about 180 <laughs> pounds. He kind of looks like a gangly skeleton. But what haunts me, Jesse, is the fact that we don't have any consistency in these in these bullpens we've had, whether it's now, past, or whatever. We need to find something that works. I mean, we got Jordan Romano. We're going to bring him back, and he's mm -hmm. going to do great things as a closer. As far as our full-time setup, man, it's still very much in the air, Jesse. I mean, Adam Simber is a great choice. I mean, Garcia still is a good choice. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Garcia is our full-time setup guy next That's year. That's what it's looking like. But hey, dude, the uh, the options are endless. I mean, we could bring it. We could bring in a totally different guy to shake things up, man. But hey, like. You look at what lost us some games last year, whether that be down the stretch games, really important games, you know, blowout games, doesn't matter. Like, we lost a lot of games on our bullpen. We did get a lot of saves from Romano. Yes. He was a great was closer awesome. for us. Yeah. He was great. But, I mean, we lost a lot of close games based off, you know, just those one-run bloops, man, a rally in the seventh or eighth inning by the opposition and, you know, couldn't score the runs back. And I think we talked about it leaving the playoffs, too, that the Blue Jays do have a good bullpen. Like Bass had a good year. Phelps had a good year. Simber had a good year. Garcia had a good year. We just need more guys, just period, full stop. Like we need more depth. We need more guys, as, especially as we get into the playoffs. Because all that's going to matter for the Blue Jays next year is how we do in the playoffs. And having more elite relief pitching is just going to help you. And they, what's the quote in baseball? You can never have too much pitching depth. I think that really applies here, and we do need some more relief pitching. I think that's number one. I also think the Blue Jays are going to try to acquire more starters, especially if we let Ross Stripling go, because that puts our rotation at Manoa and Gosman, who are awesome. Jose Barrios, Riley, we talked a lot about Barrios. He's going to be in the rotation next year, but there's a big question mark. And then after that, Yusei Kikuchi, Mitch White, both were quite terrible this year. Is Nate Pearson going to be ready to start? I also don't think so. And unless you're going to call up Ricky Tiedemann right out from double A, where he's only made eight innings to start in the big league club next year, this team is really, really lacking starting pitching depth. And I think we're going to need to uh, target some there as well. Yeah. I, I mean, you can look at it the same way <clears throat> as the bullpen. Um, you know, we, we could go out there and see Manoa, and Gosman absolutely walk all over, but then come the next game in the series, and we got Kikuchi, or we got Mitch White, and we're riding, we're riding good games. Maybe we won one and lost a close one because we just couldn't get the run support or whatever. It seemed like that when Gosman was pitching, anyways. But say we got Mitch White on the hill for the rubber match, game three of a three-game yeah. set, like. We lost those games, man. In a three-game series, if we had those two guys to start, Gosman would lose a funny one. It just happened this year. We'll say Manoa was great. And then the next guy up was was a Mitch White, was a Yusei Kikuchi. And, like, dude, more often than not, we lost those ball games. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it was a – well, with Mitch White, it was a for-sure loss. Yeah. He didn't get a yes. – he didn't get a – he did not record a win as a Blue Jay. At least you say Kikuchi had won ball games for us. I mean, he listen. I'll I won't crap on him too hard, Jesse. Kikuchi made a decent recovery towards the end of the year. He got hit hard for about two and a half months, yeah, yeah. and I think he finished the year fine. I want to give him a chance. He gets a shot for me to pitch in the rotation, but for sure, you want to have some you know a backup plan in place or something. I definitely think going after a starting pitcher arm is going to be crucial for this ball club as much as it is going after two solid bullpen arms. 
Anything on the offensive side of the ball, Riley, do you think the Blue Jays could uh, improve their club play? I mean, a lefty bat is always nice. If, yeah. if, if what you say is true, Jesse, and we do not offer that contract to Tapia, that is a left-handed bat we are down. George Springer, right, Bo, right, Kirk, right, Vlad, the list goes on. We got right-handed bats coming out to Wazoo. Is our best left-handed bat Kevin Biggio? Probably. Should it be in our batting order? Well, no, like maybe we go after a good lefty stick, Jesse. I mean, we just were talking about a guy to replace Jockey Bradley Jr. Could that be an option there too? I mean, there are plenty of players up and down major league systems that we could locate, man. And I mean, that would be it for me. If we want a lefty bat, that would be something to go off of. I mean, we got to surround our core players. We got a good group of core players, man. We had the player in Bulbashat who led the American League in hits two years in a row. Yes, Vladdy had a down year, but who knows how many home runs he gets next year. He might have a 900 OPS next year, Vladdy Jr. A nine, Let's go. Like, he, like Vlad Jr. is just going to do good things. This was a down year for him offensively. He's going to do good things next year. And like maybe Kirk is going to turn it back around. Maybe a 15 um, home run campaign for him. Something along those lines. Let's see, man. And if we do have both catchers, there's Jan too, who had, you know, an injury plagued year, but did some great things, man. All right-handed bats, though. A lefty bat would be nice. I kind of think you're right. I think those are the three main takeaways we need to go looking into free agency to improve this team. But Ross Atkins did say he's not really that concerned about how right-handed heavy his offense is because they still hit right-handed hit pretty well he did say though he wants to get a different kind of hitter into the lineup and he made that exact same quote when the Blue Jays traded Rymel or uh, traded Randall Grichik for Rymel Tapia he said he liked Tapia more because he was a different kind of hitter than Randall Grichik and I really do think the Blue Jays are going to target players like that come free agency including one of the names I have for you coming up a little later in this episode um, some other positions Riley that I think are a little minor we do need more outfield preferably a guy who can run who can play good defense if we get anything from the sticks that's a bonus especially someone who can play good uh, defense in center field. So if we have to move George Springer to right and Teo to left, we have that option. I also wouldn't look too hard at trying to get a really good defensive shortstop because we know Bo Bichette has had his issues. I think we've been griping. Let's move Bo Bichette to second base. I don't know if the Blue Jays will do that, but I think it would be a good idea. Just a backup infielder there. And I think we could also use a backup first baseman because when Vladdy did have time off last year, it was Kevin Biggio who was playing first base and, uh, we need something a little better than that. So that's also, I think, some players for the bench that the Blue Jays might look to acquire. I couldn't agree more with you. Those are, I mean, you, it's, you said it in the right right order. If we could, in an ideal word, world, we get all of those down. There is a very good chance, Jesse, that we do walk into next year with Kevin Biggio being the next guy in the depth chart to play first base. Mm -hmm. well, of course, we'll see what happens. There are some real areas like, if, if we don't end up getting a bullpen arm, then, you know, we probably didn't do anything else or we should have. But, you know, you go down the list and everything else would be ideal. But like how you set the, the set the ground for, well, we're kind of playing with this money. So basically around 30 million, 35 million dollars to play with, you know. I mean, we're not going to go after a guy for $30 million, but you can mix it with about, you know, four or five players of pretty good value for that money. Maybe some veteran guys, because, you, yeah. you know, when you get guys on their cheaper deals, it does cost us some of our, our own cheaper guys, you know, in replacement that because no team wants to be paying, you know, paying big bucks to, you know, washed up guys you usually have to trade one for one in those cases. It's usually how it goes. Absolutely. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We'd run an ad if we had any ad revenue. Not yet. One day, Riley, we'll get there. But we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. And we are going to start naming some names here. So, uh, yeah, two seconds. All right, everybody, we are back. Hope you didn't miss us too much. Um, but now we're back. We're going to start naming some names. And these are kind of... Well, our personal choices of who we think the Blue Jays are going to go out and trade acquire. And Riley, no pressure, but last year we named seven names and we got three of them. We did pretty well, two and a half. We called two of them and then one came at the trade deadline in uh, Matt Chapman, Yusei Kikuchi, and Whit Merrifield. So pressure's on, Riley. We have a lot to go for it to try to beat how we did last year. You think we got it? I mean, last year was a was a great feat jesse it's hard to replicate things like that mm -hmm. but we'll certainly do our best all right well i guess riley take it away the floor is yours the blue jay should acquire this player for the 2022 threes 
So I'm going to go back to what I said about getting bullpen arms, mm -hmm. and I'm going to go with um, my world-famous team here and take one of their arms, and I think we should acquire A.J. Puck ah, from okay. the Oakland Athletics. Did you see that coming, Jesse? Not I the sexiest you... name, but I do kind of like A.J. Puck. Yeah. You know what? This is definitely a serviceable guy. This is a guy that over his very short career, last year was his really his full first his first full season, but he has um, a strikeout rate over um, 10 per nine innings, which I think is so good for a relief pitcher, Jesse. Obviously, you know, he's throwing harder. He's still got good breaking stuff. Um, he finished last season with a whip of 114, which doesn't scream great. But he did pitch the the most innings in his career by a lot. He came into the last year with only pitching 24 and two-thirds inning. He ended up pitching 66 and a third this year, which is, you know, not a ton of innings. He's still a very young guy. He'll be 28 in this upcoming year. Yeah. Um, so as a pitcher, you know, as a relief pitcher, you know, he's not going to do the craziest of things, but he's going to be a guy that's cheap. He's a guy that's... Um, Still um, has his rights for Oakland, as in Oakland doesn't have to pay him big money, so we won't sign him. We will have to trade for him the same way we traded for Matt Chapman for Oakland. This is a team, again, that is rebuilding. They ended up shipping um, Olsen out to his state team in Atlanta, Georgia. We mm -hmm. ended up bringing Matt Chapman to Canada. Yep. He became a Toronto Blue Jay. And I still think they offsell. And I would love a, a left-handed pitcher, A.J. Puck. Yes, Jesse, not the sexiest name, but I want to start with my guys in Oakland. I think that there's a lot of potential. I watch a lot of their games. I know a lot of stuff. This is a guy who's been in Oakland system forever. He's finally made it up to the big leagues. And I think there's still a lot of potential with this guy. He's not the prospect he once was, but he's certainly going to do good things in a short time in the MLB here. I really like this call, Riley. 20, he'll be 28, like you said. He throws left-handed. We need another lefty after Tim Meza in our bullpen. So I do kind of like this call. The thing I really like too, AJ Puck, a former sixth overall pick. So he's got the prospect pedigree and he just, he was really good last year. I think underrated. He had a home run per nine under one last year. Everything else seems pretty good. A ground ball rate of 43%. He's stranded about 78% of the runners on a bad Oakland team that came on base. The 312 ERA looks legit when you're looking at some of the ERA estimators. I think this guy is just a good relief pitcher. And as we talked about earlier, the Blue Jays need good relief pitchers. Love it. I mean, exactly what would fill our spot. I thought it would go well with Meza. AJ Puck isn't as hard throwing as Tim Meza had. If we do keep both of them, it'll be a really good lefty tandem. As far as roles, um, I, I did actually realize he was picked six overall. He does have a good ceiling. I don't think it's going to be the career of a six overall pick. No, of course. Uh, but he's he's gonna do some he's gonna do some good things for a few years coming, and uh, I think it's gonna be a low price. But I think the result is going to be big from a guy like this, still young enough. I mean, he's a little inexperienced, but I don't think that's gonna hurt us. And especially with the veteran arms we have in the bullpen, I think it's gonna go in really well. All right, Riley, we really buried the lead starting with AJ Puck as our first name on here. I'm going to tell out a superstar that I think the Blue Jays might be interested in acquiring this year, and that is Shohei Otani. Now, Riley, wouldn't that be something if the Blue Jays go get him this year? Well, it fooled me, Jesse. We got tricked by some phony Instagram or uh, yeah. Twitter th Twitter thing, and I felt stupid about it. But you know <laughs> what? That happens because um, it would have been awesome because the trade seemed legit. It was Ricky Tiedemann, Alejandro Kirk, Bobichet, and another um, lower-end prospect for Shohei Otani. I thought, you know what? That'll be fine. Obviously, it didn't happen. But, yeah. Jesse, if it does happen, we can find replacements for those guys because we just got the 21st century Babe Ruth, because that's what we're looking at here, Jesse. The Jays and most of baseball haven't had a two-way player. This is something completely brand new, and I think I would absolutely love it. Yes, the price is going to be huge, yes, but to get, Sho to get Shohei Otani would be incredible. So we talked about this during the trade deadline, Riley. Remember when the Blue Jays were really interested in acquiring Noah Syndergaard? And we didn't. And there were some reports coming out that the Angels were listening to offers on Shohei Otani. The Blue Jays were on the phones with the Angels a lot during the trade deadline that year. And I guarantee you, they asked the question, what would it take to get Shohei Otani on the Toronto Blue Jays? Now, the trade deadline came and went. The Blue Jays didn't trade for Shohei Otani. 
but I do not think it was an accident. They decided to hold on to Gabriel Moreno, Ricky Tiedemann, or Elvis Martinez, and I think the highest-end prospect we gave away was Nick Frosso. That is not an accident. The Blue Jays are going to go back and try to talk to the Angels about Shohei Otani. We've already seen some buzz, some rumors going around on the internet that the Blue Jays are top on the list of Shohei Otani. There have been reports that Shohei Otani went back to Japan, kind of seems upset with the Angels' direction that he wanted to win with the team. And Riley, I don't know if you remember, but when the Angels came to Toronto late in the year and the Angels swept Toronto, Shohei Otani pitched one of those games. And he was quoted after the game saying stuff along the lines of, I love the city of Toronto. I thought this place was great. He loved his battle with Alec Manoa. He thought the Blue Jays were doing all great things. He even added some quotes saying he loves the direction the Blue Jays are heading in. Now, that's all good news, all good and fun. But you said the price is going to be massive to acquire Shohei Otani. And the Blue Jays have kind of been hesitant in the past to trade, especially with this current core, um, to really send out their prospects for future help. But Riley, this could be like when the Toronto Raptors traded away some core pieces and got Kawhi Leonard on their team. And that was the move that took them up and over the top. I'm not certain the Blue Jays are going to get Shohei Otani, but I really, really do think they're going to try. And it would be a hell of a move if it were to happen. It would be a huge move. It would be one of the larger transactions in professional sports history, right up there yes. when Wayne Gretzky yeah. went, went to the LA Kings. Like, yeah, like that's a big move. You're going to be moving <clears throat> for one player. You're going to be moving money the other way. You're going to be moving multiple um, MLB players and, you know, maybe a few lower end guys, a prospect or, you know, farm system guy, whatever. But you're talking about a guy um, who on average is going to finish in as a top 10 pitcher in the league and a top 20 hitter in the league. That's and when amazing. you combine, if you combine those two things, I mean, it's, in, it's incredible. We obviously play in a world now where the DH is universal. And you know what? That's fine because he gets to do both things. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he, no like Jesse, he could be a full-time pitcher and still hold great value. It doesn't matter that he couldn't hit. He could be a great hitter and, you know, not throw one baseball and he's still going to be a high valued player. Jesse, it's one of my favorite co quotes of all time, which is uh, if Paul McCartney didn't write one song, didn't sing one, one word, he would still be considered one of the best bass players in classic rock history. Yep. I love Paul McCartney as well. Shohei Otani is the same thing. He doesn't have to throw I think we throw a baseball over home plate to prove mm -hmm. he's cutting in and out here, man. I'll take it from here. But basically what you're saying, yeah, Shohei Otani is awesome. The only uh, downside here is that he is a free agent after next year. So if you are trading for Shohei Otani, you're going to want him to have a contract extension. And if you give Shohei Otani a contract extension, it's going to be hard to give one to Bo, to Vlad, to Alec Manoa. And a guy who does both, Riley, there is always an injury risk there. So it would definitely be a franchise-changing trade if the Blue Jays decide to go that route. All right, with that being said, Riley, give us your next player. Who do you think the Blue Jays should go to acquire coming into next season? We just talked about this guy, Jesse. It was a guy who was previously owned for a by our Toronto Blue Jays. We got him in a key trade earlier. Um, and uh, in a guy's career later, that was R.A. Dickey, and that would be Noah Syndergaard. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. we get a Noah Syndergaard. <clears throat> and you might be thinking, Jesse, you know, he's had injury-plagued years. He's not the same pitcher he was. But I think, Jesse, that it could be very much, um, you know, a comeback coming to Toronto. I think that would almost right the ship for him. Uh, I think he did a lot of good things the last three seasons. Yes, there has been the injuries. The velocity is down, but he's almost developed himself into a pitcher that did really improve on his breaking stuff later on in, in his years. He was a guy who just blew the fastball by a, He's developed a good off-speed pitch, a good breaking pitch to go with that. Um, Noah Syndergaard is not by any means, you like to say, a sexy name anymore. He was, you know, a few years ago. Um, he kind of lost his value, his, his brand, as you will, as that guy. But he's still very much a guy who could tear it up. And and I believe if uh, if we get Mr. Uh, Noah Syndergaard back on this club, it could do a lot of good things for our uh, rotation. 
Another guy we could probably have pretty cheap. We like we just said when talking about Shohei Otani, the Blue Jays did try to acquire this guy um, just last year, and in fact, the Blue Jays have been known to circle back to guys they've liked in the past, like Kevin Gosman, Bradley Zimmer, and Jackie Bradley Jr. So I do like the Noah Syndergaard call. He would add some pitching depth to this team. Like I said, could likely be had cheap. He's not the same guy. He only strikes out six per nine anymore. But the big thing that him is he didn't really give up many home runs this year, which really helped. And if you think that's a skill that can be sustained, um, then he'll be another good pitcher for this team. But if some of those fly balls start becoming home runs, that's a problem. But I still think, hey, he's been an innings eater, 134 and two-thirds innings pitched this year. A guy, if he can just do that, pitch league average for the Toronto Blue Jays, He'll be just fine on this team. League average is great. That's honestly what we need. We're looking at trying to replace players. If we want to replace a guy like Ross Stripling, I feel like Noah Syndergaard could be a good guy. I'm going to put a little more on him than 130 innings. I'm going to mm-hmm. go 100 and 150 plus, uh, 150 to 170 innings for Noah Syndergaard. He will start games for us if that's the case. He has to be that guy. Uh, we saw some collapses with our starting pitching. That would be you know, detrimental mental for our rotation if you know we replaced a Ross Stripling with a Syndergaard that went out there and, and had uh, you know bad numbers like I'm talking like Barrios numbers and I didn't want to even bring up names and stuff <laughs> like that but if he replicated something like that Jesse it'd be bad but if he goes out there it is vintage Noah Syndergaard I mean then it's an absolute steal and yeah you're right I don't think it's going to be a huge price because he's not the pitcher he once was I think I like that call I really do now, Riley, I have an off-the-dartboard pick for my second name here I think the Blue Jays should acquire. And um, I don't see many people talking about this one, and I really think there is a sneaky chance the Blue Jays go get this guy, and that is David Fletcher of the Los Angeles Angels. Ooh. That's an interesting one for you. I like it. I like it. Bat to ball. Bat mm-hmm. to ball, baby. And it all comes back to that quote that Ross Atkins said at the post-conference presser that we mentioned earlier, that the Blue Jays really want to add a different type of hitter to this lineup. And you said it, bat to ball is David Fletcher's thing. He's not going to hit many home runs. He might hit two a year, but he's just so good at putting the bat on ball, making defenses work, especially with them banning the shift next year. And more of these like little ground balls can get through for more hits. David Fletcher is the perfect type of guy for that. And when he swing, I looked up his stats because I wanted to, you know, see what this guy was all about. Um, When he swings at a pitch in the strike zone, he makes contact with it 95% of the time, Riley. That's elite for a guy who can do this. And he can play both second base and shortstop. So whether you have Bodu one or he both stays at short, he can play second base full time. Um, And with the defense that he can bring, it's going to be awesome. And that same series where Shohei Otani pitched in Toronto, David Fletcher, I think he had nine hits or something ridiculous. I know he had a four hit game in Toronto and that might go a long way to getting him into Rogers center next year. And I really do think he can be had at a small price. I really like the blue Jays going after David Fletcher this year. I love that, man. I think that you want to epitomize the small ball game with the shift being banned. And Fletcher's a middle infielder. Turn back the clocks. We're going to 1977 because he plays like a small ball infielder. And I absolutely love those guys. Not not blazing speed, but well above average speed in a good bat to ball guy to fit him in, in this batting order, whether he's, I mean, he's a righty bat, whatever. When you make contact, like elite contact, we got a guard. He got guys who do stuff like that. Like Alejandro Kirk, mm-hmm. we're going to be dangerous because you know, he's not going to beat you with the long ball. We got other guys to do that. So exactly. when you're, when you're missing your pitches, Fletcher might not, label it into the seats, but he's going to make you pay in other ways by putting that in play. And our big boys are going to come up and make and, and make RBIs out of those mistakes. So you know what, Jesse, I like that. And I know he's a good defender too. I see some good things. I like a middle infielder. He reminds me of a guy like David Eckstein. Yeah. Uh, played for our Blue Jays way back, a small middle infielder. World Series MVP, David Eckstein. That is true, man. That is true. I, I I love the call, man. I think it's great. All right, Riley, you got a position player for us. Fire away. Who do you think we're going to go for? I also brought my darts and dartboards, and uh, my mm. mine, ac- mine accidentally went back to, well, it's not Oakland, but it's another one of my, I consider him an Oakland guy. He went and played for the New York Mets last year and had a great season, and that's my guy, Mark Canna. This guy gets hit by pitches more in baseball than any other guy. Mark Canna is a fun guy. He's got a great personality. He is by no means a superstar. He's, a, I, I don't have the, I think he's 33 years old. He's mm-hmm. a guy who primarily DHs. Play some outfield. I mean, he's not going to hit 
30 home runs, but he's certainly a guy who can hit 20 for you. And it's on base is always up there. Not remarkable defensively, but let's remember kind of, you know, that we weren't a team that had a lot of, as a ball team, we hit a lot of home runs, but we didn't have that one guy that really popped off. If you throw Mark Canna in that order, I mean, I'm not saying take Lourdes out, but he's going to hit triple the amount of home runs that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. hits. And I mean, yeah, I'm not saying we're going to tender this guy for five years. He's he's older, like one year. Let's see what he does, man. And I think it'd be fun. He's a great ball player. One of the most underrated ball players, yes, in my opinion. That's what I was going to say. As someone who's played fantasy baseball for years, you always look for these diamonds in the rough or whose name doesn't match up to the stats they put up. And Mark Canna has been one of those guys for years. Riley, since 2019, I'm going to read you off the amount of war that Mark Canna has accumulated. In 2019, 3.9. So a four-war season, which is like, that's what George Springer had this year. In 140-some games in that season? Uh, he had just shy of 500 plate appearances. So do with that what you oh. Um. In 2020, the COVID-shortened year, he still put up 1.6 war. That translates to over five war season. Last year in Oakland, 3.1, and this year with the Mets, 2.8. If the Blue Jays are getting a three-war player for what might be had for very cheap, I, yeah, it's going to be great. Strikeout percentage dropped this year. Now the walk percentage also dropped a bunch, but the power is still there. Babbitt was still good. He got on base 37% of the time, which is exactly what the Blue Jays need, Riley. Another sneaky pick, but a pick I like, and it could really happen. I mean, and I, I like these two stats as well, Jesse. You talked about one thing the Jays were bad at at the plate was grounding into double plays. He only grounded into th- um, uh, three double plays this year, Jesse. I think that's an astronomical that's awesome. number for having 462 plate appearances with the New York Mets. Grounding into three double plays is great. Add three stolen bases and throw in a 770 OPS. I mean, that's pretty good. It's not eight and 800 OPS. Like, but still, the guy has a career on on base plus slugging of 775. For a guy like Mark Canna, I think those are very respectable numbers. And yeah, Jesse, you nailed it. I mean, a a fantasy guy's, um, you know, wet dream essentially like this guy's this guy's a beauty in the sense that he just plays, uh, you know, low key baseball and does all the right things. Riley, aside from Shohei Otani, though, the names we're mentioning here aren't really superstars. Like they're good players. They help complement a team. Do we think it's going to be enough or do the Blues really need to like throw money at Aaron Judge or Dansby Swanson or Trey Turner for it to matter? I mean, let's be real, Jesse. Let's let's be 100% real for a second. We have the superstar players. They need to perform. We need to surround yes, them with the massive. best. We need to surround them with the best complementary complimentary pieces. We can't have Jose Barrios having a five or um earned run average season we can't you know we can't have our team basically having a power struggle for two and a half months of the year Mm -hmm. you know that being kirk or vladdy or whoever lordis you name it went through a stretch like that i mean and matt chapman too or matt chapman's strikeout um rate uh, Tay Oscar strikeouts. You know, you not going to pin it on one guy. I believe that we have our own superstars on this ball team, Jesse, and we just have to surround them with the right, right complementary pieces. And hopefully the guys take it from there. Like, I mean, if we went out and signed an Aaron Judge or a Shohei Otani or traded for them, I think that would be incredible. Now, the price that we'd pay, we'd be taking away from some of our other core superstars, one to get a more, um, you know, a better superstar, just to, to, to put it plain. But um, I believe that our 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 star players are already here, and we got to surround them with guys that we think, you know, can basically give us wins above replacement level guys for the guys we are giving up. All right, I do like that. I have one more name I wanted to throw in here, and that's uh, Cedric Mullins of Baltimore. Ooh. Now, this one I'm not so sure of because I think it might be hard for Baltimore to trade him within the division, so that might be the hardest hurdle we have to clear. But there is a report that Baltimore might be looking to move on from this guy. And you got to say, the fit on the Blue Jays would be incredible. Left-handed hitter, the only guy in 2021 who went 30-30 that year. And yeah, the power dipped a bit, but he still hit 16 home runs, still stole more than 30 bases. He can run well. And plus, his outfield jumps in center field are the best in baseball, maybe behind Miles Straw, but it's up there. He's a really good defensive center fielder. Left-handed bat, good contact skills, which seem valuable for the Blue Jays. I'm confident the Blue Jays will ask the question, what does it take to get Cedric Mullins? But whether or not Baltimore trades him in the division is the big thing. 
I mean, he's a guy who um, I think he'd probably be 28 or 29. He's not, a, he's not a young guy who came into the league. He started his MLB career, but later as a switch hitter. I'm glad he's a lefty bat. If we do get him, that's always important because this is a guy who was a switch hitter, plays some good defensive center field. I believe he wasn't an all-star this year, but was in 2021. Yep. Am I right, Jesse? Yep, he was. So a guy that we know can can do great things. I mean, personally, we've we've seen it. I mean, to get him though, it would almost be weird. I'm I'm a firm believer in you don't trade in the division. I mean, the only the only time you really see moves like that is when the Yankees and Red Sox kind of went free agent signing in the mid 2000s. And, yeah, Jacoby Ellsbury. Oh, guys. all that stuff yeah. just ridiculous. But I mean, those are just some unwritten GM rules. But whatever. Maybe this is a new generation of of whatever. But uh, Cedric Mullins would be a really interesting one. He would be a player unlike that we have on this ball club. And he does have the potential for some pop, Jesse. And he will, I believe he gives us, uh, you know, better defensive metrics than, uh, than George Springer, who still puts us in the plus column for um, a center fielder. Yeah, move him to right field in this scenario here. It, c- it could happen. I do have yeah. some honorable mentions, Riley. We don't spend much time with them, but I'm just going to read them off. Uh, Chris Bassett, one of your Oakland guys who pitched for the Mets last year. A uh, good innings eater, and Blue Jays need depth. He could do that. Uh, Cody Bellinger is another name. Elite defensive center fielder. A guy who was former MVP, who's kind of lost it the last two years. But I think maybe, you know, you get him at the right hitting coach. There could be some talent in there. Uh, Dansby Swanson is a name I really like. I just think it's going to be too much money. The cost is going to be too much. We already have a shortstop, so... I just, I want to say I like him, but I don't think it's going to happen. Now, Andrew Heaney, pitcher of the Dodgers, is a guy I like. Elite strikeout numbers. Yeah, the walks might be a little high, but the innings were always a little low. But I think someone's going to see that strikeout upside and give Andrew Heaney money. Uh, Chad Cool of the Dodgers, I think get him, or out of the Dodgers, of the Rockies, get him out of Coors Field. That slider that Chad Cool has is one of the best individual pitches in baseball. It's a shame all the other pitches suck, but that's a name you might like. And I've always liked Jacob deGrom. You can get him at a very low term for a very high salary, and we know how good Jacob deGrom can be when he's pitching. So, Riley, any of those names stand out for you? Oh, yeah. Obviously, the deGrom, we could bring back the Mets aces and do a deGrom guard kind of deal. But, right. yeah, uh, uh, former first overall pick, uh, Dansby Swanson, uh, would be a really cool one. I mean, the, the only guy on this – uh, on this, uh, you know, hair team here. Like we got Bobachet, <laughs> who's got the hair. Lourdes you know, Gurriel, if we put Swan, yeah. yeah, if we put him and 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 Swanson, Bowen Swanson, on with the same hair, that might uh, be a huge rivalry. I like it, Jesse. At the end of the day, man, there's really no right or wrong. Of course, Jesse, you and I are always right as far as things go. We usually get a pretty good view on stuff. I'm sure. Based off one of this, we'll back the truck, see where we're at. But I'm sure one of these guys might be a Toronto Blue Jays. There's always that chance at it, man. But who knows? We could be completely wrong. We could end up with Aaron Judge. We could end up with Otani. Sure. I mean, the po- possibilities are endless, dude. We're taking educated guesses here at the end of the day. Um, there are some names that the Blue Jays have liked in the past. Uh, we've kind of already named a few. Like Noah Syndergaard I had in this tier that the Blue Jays have tried to acquire before. Didn't um, Michael Brantley is a name the Blue Jays tried to acquire before. They might look to bring him in here. And some other names that I know in the past the Blue Jays have had interest in that maybe they might throw some money at. Some minor guys, um, Brandon Belt, Kyle Gibson, Didi Gregorius. These are all guys the Blue Jays have liked in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring in some of these guys for a minor, a minor role. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, and those were some veteran guys. D.D. Gregorius, another guy, middle infielder um, who did some good things um, in sh- small Yankee port. She did some things with the uh, Phillies and early in his career with the D-backs. So, yeah, man, absolutely. Like I said, possibilities are endless, man. We still got a few months down the road. Might be not very busy until the actual 2023 calendar year hits. But we'll see, man. Like uh, like I said early in the episode, we'll keep you guys posted, man, because we're invested in this. Jesse and I are on Twitter every day, scoping things out, you know, uh, peeking through the hedges, seeing uh, seeing what banter, what chatters out there amongst GMs and things like that. Well, Riley, we talked a lot about what the Blue Jays should add to this roster. The Blue Jays are almost definitely going to make some changes. And I got five true or false questions here for you. Um, and just tell me what you think, if this is going to be true or false coming into next season. Ready? Let's have it. All right. True or false. The Blue Jays will open spring training in 2023 with all three of Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, and Gabriel Moreno still on the roster. 
I think this one is going to be false. I don't know who it's going to be. I really think that Kirk's going to still be there because, well, of a, of a ton of reasons. He's still extremely young and an elite style catcher. He's got great potential. Um, it might be Jansen. It might be Moreno. I don't believe that all three of them are going to be there. I think I'm on the same page as you, although I don't think it would be a problem if we still had all three on the roster coming next year. Uh, true or false, the Blue Jays will open camp with all three of Kevin Biggio, Santiago Espinal, and Whit Merrifield on the roster. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go false again, and I think there's even. Uh, I think there's a greater chance that we do have all three of them. Depends on uh, if we do opt to bring both Espinal and uh, Biggio back. I really think there's less value in those guys. I think if we keep them all as platoon players, uh, the kind of the same thing we did this year in 2022 I think in 2023 and moving forward well more so just in 2023 we kind of use those three guys in the same kind of area but I, I think I think there's a chance but I'm still going to say false I'm going to say false as well I think there's a real chance two of these three guys with maybe the third guy who's left around being on the bench to start next year um, true or false Riley the Blue Jays will open 2023 with two of Yusei Kikuchi Mitch White and Nate Pearson in the starting rotation Oh, man, I think, Jesse, <sighs> I want to say that that's going to be false as well. Let's look at what we have. We know who our three guys are going to be. We're going to have Gosman, but I think Manoa, Gosman, and Barrios. And then from there, I think it's going to be Kikuchi and a player to be named. I think that's what I'll call it, a player to be named. I don't think it's going to be Mitch White. If not two players to be named, honestly, the Blue Jays really need to do work mm -hmm. there. Um, true or false, the Blue Jays will enter spring training next year with all three of Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Raimel Tapia on the roster. I think this one's going to be true. I do I do think that uh, we should. And I think, I, I know that you said we might not bring Tapia back. I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. I think the price isn't too high. I think Tapia was heating up at the end of last year. And I think he's got something to offer, man. I mean, he hasn't had a a whole big shake of his career. He, I mean, he's still under 30. He played for a, not a good Rockies team. He didn't really get a chance to start with us. So let's, I mean, give him some opportunity. We'll see how, I think he's going to have a good spring training. He finished the year off good. I, I, I say true. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go false on that one. I kind of think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. might go, but we'll see. He's still under contract, cheap deal. I don't know. I'm just shooting darts there. Um, true or false, my last one here, Gabriel Moreno, Ricky Tiedemann, and Orelvis Martinez will all still be Blue Jays by opening day. So my hope is, I, is, is true. And if, if, if a big trade is to happen, it will, it will totally be false because we're going to lose one of those guys, if not two of them, in, in a big deal. But I personally, Jesse... Don't know if that deal is going to happen. A huge deal. I'm talking an Otani deal. It might happen. So you know what, Jesse? I'm going to say false on the optimism that something big is going to happen. All right, yeah. Put those good vibes out there. Let's see what happens. If we got to keep one, I hope it's Ricky Tiedemann. But we'll see. Teams always want pitching, and Tiedemann looks like a guy. So we'll see about that. Um, I think all we know, Riley, in kind of conclusion here, that this Blue Jays team, even though a lot of the players are still under contract, is going to look very different come next season. And I think whatever happens in this offseason is going to go a long way to determine if the Blue Jays are going to win a World Series with this core of players. So I don't know. We're going to have to sit back and see. Once this World Series is over, we can finally get to doing some transactions, and we're going to talk a lot about it going away, and there will be a lot of Blue Jays stuff going on throughout the winter. An absolute ton. I mean, Jesse, we're, I mean, we might not even have to come up with material. It might write itself for us, mm -hmm. depending on how this offseason goes. There's a lot of potential, man. At the end of the day, like I said, we got our core guys. Let's surround this with some veteran talent, maybe some more young talent. There's plenty of strings to pull in this, Jesse. I mean, we didn't miss out by that much. We had one bad playoff series. We ran into some problems um, middle way through the year. Um, are we finished the season? just fine we're under a new manager who who managed uh, you know half a year essentially i think i think that there's a lot of potential heading into 2023 
I agree with you, man. I'm excited to see what the future holds and it's going to be, we're going to get the excitement built up again for opening day next year. Uh, that'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Once again, remember to like and subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star review on those podcast streaming platforms and feel free to leave a comment on down below. Tell us who you think the Blue Jays are going to sign. Are we missing somebody obvious? Do you like our bull calls? Do you think we're full of shit? Like you tell us, let us know. Also be sure, check out our friends over at Leafs and Lads. The Leafs are going through a losing streak. Leafs fans are pulling their hair out. So uh, they got all the reactions over there. Make sure you check those out. Um, they're still doing their thing. And if you're into sports gambling at all, um, Mark from the Leafs and Lads show and myself have set up a Discord called Gambling Canuck. So if that's your type of thing, I know there's a caveat about sports betting, but we've made some decent money over there so far this year. So look for Gambling Canuck on TikTok. We'll send you links to our Discord and all that fun stuff. Soccer, NBA, football, baseball. If any of that interests you, be sure to subscribe to them. Riley, anything else to add before we get out of here today? No, no, but I think the next time we'll be talking will either be um, the night of the final game of the World Series or when it ends. So um, good luck to only the Philadelphia Phillies moving forward in the <laughs> World Series. Um, and, and, we'll start the, and we'll start our offseason stuff officially when the season concludes. Still, obviously, you know, a lot to cover because we're just speculating, Jesse. We weren't too far off last year. And again, let's see if, if you and I can repeat. I mean, we have a pretty good success rate. We'll see what happens, man. I'm optimistic, dude, that something's going to happen. We talked about the little splashes. We mentioned some big names. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll be back again next week. We'll see you guys then. Thanks for watching. Thanks, guys.